Hello, and we're back for another episode of Sports Zone Overtime. As always, I'm your host, Tyler Perkins, and joining me today are analysts Malik Wright and Garen Schantz. How are we doing today, guys? We're doing great, doing great. The weekend's almost here. I'm doing awesome. I uh, hope everybody listening is about to have a good time. All right. Well, guys, definitely feeling better than I was earlier in the week. Uh, very sick. I don't know what I had. I was just congested and body aching, but I'm here and I'm ready to talk sports, so we've got a lot to cover, so let's jump right on into it. Uh, and what a topic to start it off with, the MLB postseason. Uh, as Malik said, it's the best time of the year. It's underway. Two days ago, the New York Yankees defeated the Minnesota Twins 8-4. to And yesterday, the Arizona Diamondbacks defeated the Colorado Rockies 11-8 to in both wildcard matchups. Now, uh, guys, who were your top performers in each matchup? It can be a group or it can be an individual player. Well, for the Yankees... I obviously Aaron Judge is on there. Uh, he's been spectacular throughout this whole rookie season. He's more than likely going to win Rookie of the Year for the American he's League. He's almost a log for Rookie of the Year. Exactly. Uh, obviously, they're they're pitching that uh, they have one of the best bullpens in the American League. On the other side, you, I got the whole Diamondbacks team. That whole that whole team is just excelling at every category. Hitting, defense, it's pitching even. I mean, they're a very talented team, and yeah. there could be a dark horse. Yeah, you really don't have, like, a standalone player that's there. Like, with the Yankees, you have Judge, like, but the Diamondbacks are really just, you know, a solid team overall. Yeah, and for me, I'd say the same thing. The entire Yankees bullpen, eight and two-thirds, uh, 13 strikeouts. They completely killed the Indians after they went up 3-0. Um, and on the other side, I'm going to say my MVP would be Archie Bradley. He's a relief pitcher, only had four at-bats all year, and bottom of the seventh, two outs, uh, two strikes, two runners on, and he hits a go-ahead triple to get his team up. Um, just great. That's what the playoffs is all about, really. Man, you got to hate. I hate <laughs> saying the Yankees. I hate saying yeah. the Yankees are doing good. Yeah, I'm, I'm rocking my med stra- I'm rocking my Noah Syndergaard med strays right now, and it's like putting acid in my mouth talking good about the Yankees. But uh, Archie Bradley, man, way to way to look, way to inform the fans. What a what a turn he had from go, that two run triple to coming right back the next inning and back to back jacks <laughs> off of him. Yeah, yeah, he definitely yeah. he definitely had a wild uh wild stretch wild <laughs> twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah, but uh, guys, uh, for obvious reasons, I'm gonna go Aaron Judge. I mean, just. Uh, on the season, two two eighty four batting average, fifty two homers, and one hundred and fourteen RBIs with point four two two on base percentage. That is something that a lot of people don't talk about, but that's a key statistic. When he gets on base, he does score runs. And uh, yeah, like you said, he, he went three for four with two uh, with two hits and a home run and two RBIs. Um, just an overall great performance I and mean, one of the greatest rookie seasons we've ever seen uh, so true. far. And the Arizona Diamondbacks, my man Paul Goldschmidt. Man, two of five with a run and a homer and three RBIs, which is crucial. Those three RBIs, very important, helping the Dimebacks uh, get by the Rockies. Uh, Goldschmidt, very solid season as well. He is one of their better hitters, the first baseman, uh, almost hitting 300, 36 home runs with 120 RBIs, just an overall solid player, and he really helped propel the Diamondbacks. Yeah, and it was great to see him and Arenado in the playoffs at two top 10 players in the league and they're for the last few years their teams haven't even been relevant so to finally get to see them on the big stage and yeah they, they really shocked me as i had the rockies beating them uh by about two or three runs and the diamondbacks they definitely weren't gonna go without a fight and they put up a fight 
Nolan Arenado, I thought, was going to just destroy the Diamondbacks that game. With that mindset, to, it's it's one and done, but he just couldn't capitalize. All right. Uh, now, guys, moving, we're actually backtracking. Uh, so, yeah, Malik mentioned it earlier, and so did you, Garen. How good is New York's bullpen? Uh, we know we had they, they had a brilliant effort in the win uh, versus uh, you know this past game against the Minnesota Twins. Um, but will they be a factor against the Cleveland Indians, who have the undisputed best pitching staff in baseball right now? Well, with the with the Yankees, they pitched four closers in their uh, in their game last in the wild card game. They didn't pitch Batantis, so they have about five. Which to me, you can win about two or three games with that, but they're not going to be able to make a long run relying on just your bullpen. Your bullpen can't go eight and two thirds, can't go six innings. Yeah. game by game so their starting pitching is what's really going to help but I think if the Yankees have a lead late by the sixth or fifth inning then a good majority of the time they'll have a great shot yeah yeah I think the Yankees not having a an elite ace pitcher is where they're going to go wrong I think that mm-hmm. with their bullpen in the regular season and I mean in that game they they proved us wrong that they can pitch a bullpen and win games but whenever you're in the playoffs None of what happened in the regular season matters. Yeah, and I mean, you look at Servanio, uh, who was roughed up in just a tenth of an inning. He allowed four hits and three runs. I mean, and you look at the Indians pitching staff, you have two guys with over 200 strikeouts and one Trevor Bauer uh, with 196. And you got, uh, you got Corey Kluber on the mound just with 265. And then you got Carlos Carrasco with 226. And then Trevor Bauer, as I mentioned, those three guys are all so elite pitchers in this league. And the fact that the Yankees don't have like a set ace starter that they can go to and they can rely on like many teams have is honestly scary because the Indians, like they can shut teams down and I don't think the Yankees will be able to score a lot of runs in this series. Yeah, and the, the scary thing was it was the ace was Severino. Yes. He was, <laughs> was going to finish top three in the Cy Young and he got roughed up like that. It looked like... He was flat, um, still throwing his high 97, but everything was hanging up. He he got rocked by a good Twins team. Yeah. Yeah, and the Yankees, I, I don't think they're going to make it past next round with the Cleveland Indians. I think Cleveland could honestly sweep them. Sweep I, th- them. I think it'll be a sweep. I, I think so as well. I think the Yankees are just a year or two early at this point right now. They're young. Yeah. They're young. Yeah. They have youth on their side, and whenever you have youth on your side, there's nowhere to go but up. So that's not, that's what they'll have to look forward to if they happen to get swept on this series. Yeah. Uh, now moving on to the other game, uh, Diamondbacks Rockies. Uh, Arizona's ace Zach Greinke, uh, undisputedly one of the top pitchers in the league, was severely rattled in his wild card matchup. Three point two innings pitched, uh, six hits, and four runs allowed. Is there a concern for him uh, and the pitching staff in general moving forward? Well. Good thing for them. I'm going to say there is concern. That bullpen, for them to give up seven, eight runs to the Rockies and have the after their offense would get them up by three or four, then they give up two next inning. They have the perfect matchup with the Dodgers just because with the rivalry, with the divisional rivalry, that's a mm-hmm. perfect set for them. I think if they're playing anybody else, they're playing the Cubs and the Nationals, they would get swept out just because of that. Yeah. But with that being said, they've their offense has proven that they can destroy Kershaw and Darvish. So. <laughs> 
Yeah, and I think the Dodgers are the most overrated team in baseball. Granted, they have the best record, but how they finished the season was just atrocious. I mean. Yeah, yeah, and Kershaw in the playoffs is not regular Kershaw. And neither is Darvish, so they both no, have something to prove. Absolutely not. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, and when you're going against you know guys like Cody Bellinger hit 39 homers, you got guys like Justin Tur- Justin Turner hitting over 300 in the lineup, um, and then Corey Bellinger who just just gets hits. He just is so the, like Sager and Bellinger together are just two young guys who know how to find the ball, who know how to hit it in the gap, and know how to get on base and score runs. Uh, but moving on, our final uh, topic on this segment. Give us your playoff predictions for NLCS, ALCS. Who's going to face off in the World Series and who you got winning it all? Well, in the ALCS, I have the Red Sox going against the Indians. The Indians are going to pull that one off. And then in the NLCS, I have the Dodgers uh, beating Arizona. I think this is the year Kershaw gets it right, rights his ship in the postseason. Um, And for the Cubs and Nationals, one of the most – the Cubs are under the radar – as crazy as it sounds, they still they have the same core that won the World Series last year. If Max Scherzer does not pitch, I think that the Cubs win. If he does, I think the Nationals win. So, and by by looks of it now, he's not. So I'm going to say World Series matchup: Cubs Indians, and I'm going to pick the Cubs to repeat. Oh, really? In the ALCS, I have the Houston. Y'all going to think I am out of my mind? I have the Houston Astros defeating the Boston Red Sox and I think Dallas Keuchel is going to add two more wins under his belt. I think he's, he'll be pitching twice in this series and Ooh, we have a theme here about elite pitchers in this segment. So. Yeah, and you're you're going to see Houston defeat the Red Sox and uh I got the Yankees defeating the Cleveland Indians as I said before with Aaron Judge. Uh he's going to remain on fire. Uh I actually said that the Yankees weren't but you know, I kind of gave him the benefit of the doubt right here with if Aaron Judge does continue to stay on his hot streak. But I think the Astros and the Yankees going to face off. Astros are going to find a way to win with Carlos Correa with an incredible Game 7. And on the, on the National League, I got the Cubs defeating the Nationals uh, despite Bryce Harper getting back to his old self. These are some predictions here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bryce Harper getting back to his old self. Uh, the Dodgers defeating the Diamondbacks in five. You Darvish and Clayton Kershaw are going to have some solid outings out there. And uh, for the World Series, I got the the Dodgers and the Astros, and I think that the Dodgers... matchup. I think that... Ah. It's a lot I, it's, of MVPs it's hard, on the field. It's hard to say. Uh, the Dodgers are going to go to the World Series and win for the first time since 1988. Kurt Gibson, baby. Yep. <laughs> nah, now, some Chris Sale is... One of the he's a top five pitcher in baseball. And he's getting the throw in playoffs for the first time, and he made a comment today about how much he's been waiting on this one. So, yeah, ace I've, pitcher. I've got him going into seven games right here. It's going to be nail biter. Yeah. Uh, all right, my side. Uh, I have Washington and Los Angeles facing off in the NLCS. Actually, I think that Washington will, will be able to get past the Cubs. Uh, you know, you know, I wasn't too high on the Cubbies this year. You know, it, it was great that they won the World Series, but. I just think that it's Washington's time. I think that Bryce Harper will perform, and I do think Scherzer will be able to come back. And in the ALCS, I have Houston facing off against Cleveland in a very, very intriguing matchup. And in the World Series, the shocker, I think that's both going to shock y'all, I have the Washington Nationals 
Moving past what I think is the most overrated team I stated earlier in the MLB, the Los Angeles Dodgers, um, and the Cleveland Indians. And the Cleveland Indians are going to bring the second title to the Cleveland area in three years. I think they win it all against Washington in a very close six or seven game series. But uh, that's all we have for this segment. Coming up after the break, we'll be talking Dallas Cowboys, so stay tuned. Hey, um, this job looks perfect. Uh, it says you need people skills. Check. Uh, driver's license. Check. And a high school diploma. You've got one of those, right? Skip the drama. Get your diploma. I got that. You are good to go. Take that first step towards a better future. Find free adult education classes at finishyourdiploma.org. I will not be news today. I will not make another push to be the first man in space with frosted tips and a puka shell necklace. I'm Lance Bass, and I will not be trending today because there is a much bigger story that needs to be heard. All right, everyone, welcome back. Now, before the break, we told you that we were going to be discussing the Dallas Cowboys. Um, And if you watched the game this past weekend, I'm sure if you're a Cowboys fan, you were very disappointed. I know Malik is the exact opposite. He is very happy. Uh, So after an impressive win last week versus the Arizona Cardinals, the Cowboys came out and uh, gave up a great comeback from the L.A. Rams and lost 35-30 in Week 4. Guys, what is going on with the Dallas Cowboys offense, especially in the second half of games? The offensive line is killing them. That hole at offensive guard, the question mark of whether Jonathan Cooper or Byron Bell, Chaz Green's going to start, you can't depend on Chaz Green. He's getting injured almost every single game or leaving for at least a quarter and then returning back. Clearly a weak link in the Dallas Cowboys offensive line. I think Lyle Collins is really struggling at right tackle as well. He's kind of getting bullied out there. Dak Prescott's not getting enough time. A lot of people want to blame Dak for these mistakes, but I think the offensive line's who to blame. They're supposed to be the number one offensive line in the NFL. They haven't looked like it yet. You you just got a huge contract and spent at least – I don't remember the numbers from the top of my head – uh, 20 or so million for three years for Lyle Collins, and he's getting beat almost every play. Uh, Dak Prescott's not getting enough time. Uh, the Dak to Dez connection has definitely got some uh, a little too much slack in there. And the run game, you know, is it like when you can't block up front, like it's it's just it doesn't correlate either when you're run protecting or pass protecting. If you get beat, it's the same result. It's a loss of yards. Yeah, and yeah. Well, ahead. let me say. I don't think that this offense is going to find full success while Jason Garrett is calling plays yeah, and running you're, it. Yeah, you're absolutely it's right. It's too conservative. And with the line not being as good as it's been, Zeke getting 25 carries for 80 yards, even he can have three touchdowns with those stats. That's not that's not gushing a, a defense when you're 25 carries, 87 yards, 20, 21 carries, 70 yards. He's averaging I, about 3.6 yards he's not, right now. He's not. I think the one you're looking to blame is Scott Linehan, the offensive coordinator. He's the guy that's playing he, this even with even since the Even since the Packer in even since the Packers game last year, Gary, they're just too conservative on Dallas. They don't take enough deep shots. Uh, they 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 run behind Zeke and which is you should do with the line that's as good as ours, but it's it's not working. 
And I just think from the from the spiking the ball last, I'll, I'll still never understand why they spiked the ball second down in the playoffs last year. Just playing so conservative, not taking any chances. I think that's starting to catch up to them. And they can't, they're not a, they, with the offensive style we play, they play with, they can't come back. They have to have a lead. You have to have a lead to run the clock out, to use Zeke. The way we need to be using them. Yeah, I don't think you're going to see much of a coaching change, though, because Scott Linehan has been around for so long. Uh, they just got to stick to feeding Zeke. And whenever you feed Zeke into the second half and keep feeding him, give him 20 more carries. Yeah. Go on, Tyler. <laughs> no, on. no, no. I was just going to say, yeah, um, Zeke's stat so far, 76 rushes for 277 yards. Terrible. I've on my fantasy team. Yeah, averaging 3.6 yards a carry. It, it, it when you try to force one way, it doesn't work. Granted, Dak is having a great he's having a, he's having a solid year. He's managing the game well. But moving on to another uh, hole that we've seen in the Cowboys. So this past week, Sean Lee was out. His presence was definitely missed. But wasn't a good enough excuse to warrant the loss that they took against the Rams? I would say it's a it it was part of the reason they lost. Not not fully, but with Lee, Lee's the Mike linebacker and. Him not being in the game definitely affects him. That's your captain. And the mic has to be on the field every play. Jalen Smith had to take that role. Jalen Smith can't play full. He can't play that that amount of snaps yet. He's, he's, Cowboys he's definitely not his old self. Yeah, so I think that the lead, yeah, your captain is gone. I don't think that's the that's that's the big reason. That's not the main reason they lost. That's part of the reason why they lost. Yeah, and he's, I mean, uh, not trying to diss anything he said, just to go along with it, Jalen Smith is – playing with uh, he's playing too hesitant he's going against his own instincts because he's worried about that drop foot he's worried about losing that extra step he's going he's playing too aggressive going downhill way too fast as we can see that he's he's way behind on plays almost every single run play he's either getting uh, demolished by an offensive tackle on a pool or he's getting washed up yeah, and, and you can use the excuse the Cowboys aren't healthy and we, we never they never have their full defense but there's always going to be somebody on that defense suspended by the way they draft, and there's always going to be somebody. It's been constantly like this for two, three years. I don't think we've seen the full Cowboy defense, and I don't think that that's going to happen. So because of that, I don't see them having success. Shoot, all he needs is the New York accent. We would think you were Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> the, it's, it's, I just I don't – there's no they're, – they're putting pass rushing backs, linebackers in to guard running backs and to guard slot receivers, and it's just not working out. There's – not pass, not elite. Their pass rushing group that they need to have in in the game. Jeff Heath is the starting safety, and I don't think that when you look at a Super Bowl roster, that that's the guy you want to see. Could I yeah. could I stop you just for a second, just to kind of uh, just like say something? Xavier Woods uh, from Louisiana Tech, sixth round draft pick, I think has been the most impressive safety on this team. Definitely. Uh, I mean Byron Jones. He's a he's a solid starter. He's had a lackluster performance yes, so far this he, season. He's an the average safety at best. Xavier Woods. He could be your gem of the draft. I think that he's going to be one of the best player, one of the best players at his position in the NFL uh, within his four years of his rookie contract, and he's going to get some big money. And why aren't they putting Jalen Smith as? Uh, defensive end and rushing the passer more often. You saw him have a lot of success in college, and I mean we haven't seen his swipe yet, especially in a Cowboys uniform. 
Well, to to even quote the great Stephen A., it's not good to have defensive struggles coming in with a bad man. Uh, Aaron Rodgers <laughs> coming in. That's man, a bad Aaron man. Rogers. It's not good. To, it's not a good rebound week to be going up against him yeah. with all his weapons healthy. Yeah, Stephen A. Smith is definitely the number one fanboy for Aaron Rodgers, if you didn't know, folks. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, Cowboys, they're, they're young. I think that Orlando Skandrick – He's he's always going to be out on the field, but your two starting cornerbacks, I think everybody just has to uh, just swallow this pill. It's going to be Chidobe Awuzie and Jordan Lewis, and you have nothing to worry about with those two guys out there. You've seen Jordan Lewis improve every single game out there. You're seeing him make tackles that a cornerback shouldn't be making. He's lowering his shoulder into 250-pound running backs and putting them on their backs. So... And Shadobe Awuzie, we saw that all through college. He can, he can rush the passer. He uh, especially on those Tampa blitzes, he, he has that burst that's very rare in cornerbacks, especially yeah. the ones that have to go and rush those yeah. passers. All right, guys, just uh, real quick, I have a question for each of y'all. Uh, y'all can go just go back and forth, but uh, Garen, for you, the Cowboys have to refocus against Green Bay definitely with Aaron Rodgers coming into town. Uh, what do you see differently that the offense has to do, especially with the Packers' defense, which is no slouch in Malik? For you, what does the defense have to do to stop Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay's offense? First off, the offensive line, as I said, is not giving Dak enough time in the pocket. Uh, it's There's always a question of who the starting offensive guard is going to be, and that affects the offensive line's chemistry. I don't know if uh, anybody out there has seen that video last season of the Dallas Cowboys O-line on the last play, the Pittsburgh Steelers game, all of them moving at once. And I think the loss of Ronald Leary is really affecting them. Uh, the offense is abandoning the run, especially in the second half. They're not giving Zeke those 30 carries that we're used to seeing him all last season. And people are complaining Zeke's not the same. Uh, Zeke's too buried in his court case. But the it's thing is, bad. is Ezekiel Elliott's getting 15 carries a game. I know – He's got to capitalize a little bit better on that, but with the offensive, the offensive line questions, Ezekiel Elliott only getting the ball in the first half, getting it probably two times in the second half, and then the Dak to Dez connection. Uh, it's been more Dak Prescott than Dez Bryant. Dez Bryant has missed, I believe, I think he's dropped four balls, and Dak has has targeted Dez fifty times. Dez has sixteen of those catches. And it, so that means 40% of those are Dak Prescott's Air mistakes. Balls. Yes, overthrows. His, ac- his downfield accuracy is a big problem. Well, and to, to answer your question on how the Cowboys will stop him, just prayer, really. Uh, I would start with that uh, <laughs> because they, they won't. And Don't dog and, us like that. Come on. You are and a just hater. With, um, the, the amount of weapons that the Packers have, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Randall Cobb, Ty Montgomery, uh, Jordy Nelson, Martellus Bennett, Bennett and uh, Devontae Adams all have 15-plus catches this year. Well, well Devontae Adams. If, yeah, the, yeah, and and Ty, Ty yeah. Montgomery uh, may not be playing. They may be on their third-string running back. And yeah. Even with that, I just think that you're going to have mismatches with um, – and, yeah, Nelson's covered, and, yeah, Cobb, but there's too many weapons for Aaron Rodgers to – you know, and if Montgomery's playing – you're matching up with him against linebackers, and if Bennett's playing, Bennett's a tough matchup. If Sean Lee's not playing, that's a tough guard. So I just think it's it's way too many weapons for the Cowboys to stop. All right. Well, you know, I think me and Garen know better than anybody else the struggles of a Cowboys fan. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah, the last Super Bowl they Secondary's won. Secondary's looking a little bit yeah. better, though. Yeah, the last Super Bowl they won, uh, I believe I was three years old. I don't know if you were even born. but I, uh, I was not born. <laughs> 1998, what a year. But coming up after the break, it's our favorite part of the show. It's the quick hit segment. Stay tuned. I want to eat, eat, eat apples and bananas. I need to eat, eat, eat apples and bananas. Why can't I eat, eat, eat? One in five children struggles with hunger in America. Support the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks to help provide meals to those in need. Join us at feedingamerica.org. you've done with your bike donating it to goodwill may be the most incredible of all goodwill donate stuff create jobs this is the quick hit segment here on sports zone overtime well today i'm gonna talk to you guys about a few uh big college football upsets we had over the weekend and i'm gonna start with the lsu tigers losing 24 to 21 to troy university let me start off by saying the SEC is extremely overrated and has been for the last few years, besides Alabama. Um, but LSU was 0 for 9 on third down in the game. Uh, Troy had 200 plus yards rushing. They held the ball for 11 more minutes than LSU had, so they controlled the entire game. LSU tried to stage a comeback at the end, and they lost on their homecoming game. We at UNT know what that feels like to give a team hundreds of thousands of dollars to come and. Defeat us on our homecoming, like happened to us a few years ago. So that's a tough loss. And I really, I the way LSU's offense is set up, the ground and pound just doesn't work in this year's college football anymore. They haven't had an elite quarterback since Jamarcus Russell. So I, I, I have, I don't see them having a lot of success. The same four or five losses as they usually have. Um, and then moving on to another game, USC versus uh, Washington State. Uh, Washington State won the game 30-27. to in a. It was a great game. Washington State, to me, just had the ball last in that one. Um, and then the question on, is USC still elite? I think USC is definitely still elite, but I think the other Pac-12 teams are closing in on them. You got Oregon. You got Oregon coming back. Uh, Washington State and Washington are undefeated. So I think that the gap between those teams is closed. I don't think that USC is going to win the Pac-12 this year just because they're going to they still have to play UCLA and Oregon. I think they lose one of those games. And then going into the games of the week this week, I have um TCU undefeated versus 3 and 1 West Virginia. I have TCU in that one. Um Alabama versus Texas A&M, of course, a chance for a Texas team to finally assert ourselves in football. Don't think that's going to happen. Um Bama's going to blow them out. Uh, Michigan State, Michigan, always a great rivalry. Michigan has a chance to go undefeated this year, and that hurts me being an Ohio State Buckeye fan, but they're undefeated. Um, Washington State, 5-0 and versus Oregon. They You you have to win after beating a team like USC. Um, LSU, Florida in a laugher. Um, defensive struggle, low-scoring game, but I got Florida. And then Kansas State University plays the University of Texas this weekend, and I think that Longhorn fans will be disappointed once again. All right, I appreciate it, Malik. Now, coming up after the break, we'll get Garrett Spiel, so stay tuned. 
UNT is more than 125 years in the making. To find new solutions, we create a new point of view. We know what's possible when creativity, originality, and independent thought converge. We're ranked a Tier 1 research university. We're home to excellence the size of Texas. Define your future at UNT and soar to new heights. The Dallas Stars have their season opener against the newly founded Las Vegas Knights. Uh, unfortunately, there was that uh, horrible event that happened a couple days ago. Uh, our thoughts and prayers are going out to those guys out there in Las Vegas. There's a lot of pressure on Dallas to prove that they're a team, that they're a top team in the National Hockey League. I mean, uh, two two seasons ago, they they lost in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, next season, they don't even make the Stanley Cup playoffs. And uh, the Stars are gonna be looking to win this match. I think that they're gonna. I think that they're going to pull out this W and that they're going to begin their quest to the playoffs. And uh, former Stars center Cody Eakin is returning back to the Metroplex, seeking his revenge against the team that he used to call home. Ken Hitchcock also returning for his second stint as the Dallas Stars head coach, where he won the team's first and only Stanley Cup in 1999. So it's been quite a while since Dallas has been able to witness that hot that feeling of being champions and even getting that far into the playoffs. Uh, but the Stars will be looking to get off to a hot start with Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan leading the way. I think that they're going to be a, a tough contender going forward. All right, folks. Coming up after the break, we're staying close to home. That means we'll be talking North Texas football. Stay tuned. The inherent right to work is one of the elemental privileges of a free people. Endowed, as our nation is, with abundant physical resources, and inspired as it should be, with the high purpose to make those resources and opportunities available for the enjoyment of all. We approach this problem of re-employment with the real hope of finding a better answer than we have now. It's time for our final take here on Sports Zone Overtime, UNT Sports Podcast Source. Ladies and gentlemen, we wouldn't be talking uh, scandals, honestly, if it didn't refer to the NCAA. I think that over the past couple of years, or really the past 50 years, you can go all the way back to the University of Miami and the countless scandals they had, SMU, um, and the Pony Express, and the death penalty. We got another one. The Louisville basketball team is in the midst of yet another scandal in Rick Pitino's uh, tenure, and he has been suspended without pay. Speaking of pay, it's another pay-for-play scandal. Apparently, it has something to do with the whole athletic administration and Adidas themselves. Apparently, Adidas paid 
some athletes on the basketball team don't know for what, just substantial amounts of money. And the AD and the coach Rick Pitino decided to either ignore it or sweep it under the rug. Actually, Louisville's athletic director was fired for not wanting to fire head coach Rick Pitino, who is still on paid leave right now. Now this brings me to the question, folks. Should these athletes who generate billions of dollars in revenue for the NCAA be paid? And I say yes. Here's why. When you look at the multi-billion dollar industry that the National Collegiate Athletic Association is and how much money they generate off of these college students who struggle sometimes to pay for books, tuition, and for food even. You, you You got some of these guys who aren't on scholarship, who are playing, who are busting their butts, who are dedicating the, the amount of time so that boosters and you know fans from 30 years ago can come to the games and wear the shirts with their names and numbers on it and be there and not have a care in the world when you got these guys out here just grinding and destroying their bodies. And we don't know what goes on behind closed doors and then we don't know what their situations are like. And they, not the NCAA, are the ones generating this amount of money. Um, I believe in the late 90s, referring to the Miami scandal, the second Miami scandal uh, when they were coming back, when they were just recently having success about another pay-for-play scandal. Um, The NCAA's investigation into that, this is why I I don't have any credibility for the NCAA whatsoever. They are so corrupt. They had to file an investigation for lack of institutional control when they were performing an investigation on a university who... It was very obvious. You had a guy, Nevin Shapiro. It was extremely obvious that he was paying these guys money, that he was taking them out on his private yacht, that he was taking them to clubs, giving them free dinners and all that. You are so, as an organization, just corrupt that when you are conducting an investigation on another organization – you have to cite yourself for lack of institutional control. That's why I don't have any trust in the NCAA. I think that the players should have been paid for a much longer time. You get guys coming out of backgrounds, not in the best financial situations, coming to college, really not knowing how to handle the ordeals. They're just there to play sports. That's why they're there. You know, No matter where they come from or, or whatever, you don't know what their background is like. And some people don't have a lot of money. That's just how it is in the world today. Um, it wouldn't be a bad thing if they got even a minute fraction of the millions upon billions of dollars that college athletics across the board generates. And I know the argument is if you pay one player, you're going to have to pay everybody else. I don't, I don't think that's the case, honestly. I think depending on what sport you play, what market, what high-profile team or not, or low-profile team you're on. I think that, that that's what determines, you know, where you go. And granted, if that were to happen, that would sway college. You know, the colleges with the most money would get the best recruits. You know what, honestly, I think there are worse things in the world because these athletes deserve to be paid and scandals like this deserve to be go away. You know what, it's not a booster, it's, it's, it's Adidas. And I know the boosters were involved in that, but it was Adidas sports company, multi-million dollar national company, who sponsors them, by the way, paying these players. 
I just think the lines have been completely blurred with what's okay in sports in today's society, especially with college athletics. And it sickens me to see that such, I know I've said it many times before, but a corrupt organization such as the NCAA just coming down so hard on these players. You know, forget about the coaches for a sec. You know, if they didn't follow the rules, that's their own, you know, jurisdiction and, and that's their own fault. Granted, I don't personally believe with all the rules that the NCAA sets. But play the, pay the freaking players. Like, it's been too long and it has to stop now. Uh, yeah, that's all I've got, guys. <laughs> and going along with what you said, Tyler, I think uh, there's been several scandals, just to name a few. There was UCLA back in 1981, Kansas, 88, Kentucky, 89. I mean, these are big-name schools. Indiana, 2008, I'm just going to name them all off. And just that... That's, That's only a, college basketball. Yeah, it's it's all it's all college basketball, but this has definitely happened as we've seen in NCAA football. And you know private schools um, they they can make their own rules. You have schools like TCU, SMU, Rice, those types of schools are able to not not pay the players, but they're able to give them money outside of the school besides just their scholarship on campus. They're able to give them money for groceries and other stuff. Uh, I think that that should be a thing that happens with every school because I think that that's fair. And I think that those athletes have given up a lot of stuff, especially those walk-ons. And, you know, the walk-ons, you know, now it's how, how, how big you are. It's, I'm, I'm not trying to rip anybody out here, but it's, it's, you still have to have talent, but it's, if you have the size to do so, you're going to be the first one to get a scholarship. If the guy, if the guy that's uh, in, also in that same spot has more talent, but he's a little bit shorter or uh, not as big, you know that's just going to happen. And it's it sucks for those guys that are working their butts off, not only of being a full time college student, but also having to fit in football, basketball, whatever sport that they're in, and having to balance those two things and not get anything out of it, I just think that that's unfair. Yeah, and the Ohio State Buckeyes are worth $1.2 billion. And their players don't see a cent. And, and that yeah, they get paid. They get meals when they play road games. But that's that's not much. But just to see, you, you have Braxton Miller jerseys being sold you have number five with no name on it. He didn't get a cent of that. He didn't get a cent. Johnny Manziel Ezekiel got Elliott. Johnny Manziel got built enough money to get A and M a whole entire football stadium, and he saw. And I mean, well, the school gave him nothing. We don't know what any of these players saw. And just to be a a college student myself, and you you put anybody else in 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 their shoes, if you're a student and somebody walks up and says, <coughs> "Hey, I'll give you five hundred thousand dollars." <coughs> nobody's going to turn that down. Nobody's going to not want it. Nobody, you don't know that's life changing right there in itself. So, and yeah, like you said, you don't have to play pay every player. Not every player is worth the same as every other player. You in the NFL, the backup quarterback and the starter don't make the same amount. The center, the punter and the running back don't make the same amount. If you're juvenile, if you're juvenating that revenue, you're building it up, then I think you should get, a sum of that money 
if you're if if you're up at that level, if you're an Ohio State top player, if you're Johnny Manziel, like, and I don't think that it's ever going to stop. And I think every school pays their players to sign. You have to have something. Everybody has a nice uniform. Every top name school. Yeah, is. every top name has the cool has the the best looking uniforms. Every top name school is playing on Fox and playing on ESPN. So what's gonna set you apart? Um, well, we'll give this kid fifty thousand. Well, we're offering sixty thousand because Oregon's doing it and Michigan's doing it and Louisville's doing it. So why can't we? And and they, we're just gonna keep catching teams. And yeah, you you give them you you, you take scholarships away, but yeah. they're getting the money from it still. Yeah, going going along with that, <clears throat> you have guys uh, like Ezekiel Elliott that have gone through Ohio State, Braxton Miller, Baker Mayfield. You, you see guys of that caliber of play that are the face of the school and on all of the billboards, and those players aren't getting a cent. That's just not fair. Yeah. If a normal – let me put it this way. If there's a normal college student like like myself, if I was to be given an endorsement from Adidas, I would take that in a heartbeat and who could stop me from it? There's there's no controversy that's involved with that if you were to do so. The, exactly. The, the, what, the bigot organization that is the NCAA. Yeah. What's yep, what's so what's so different about football, basketball, True. tennis? players doing so and the crazy thing is a basketball uh you could have a at a basketball game a hundred thousand dollar half court shot Uh, a regular student makes that shot they get the whole hundred thousand no problem a football player makes that shot a tennis player makes that shot they don't get a cent from it and there's actually i i don't remember the exact school but there is an article last year about a student who that happened to who he didn't get fifty thousand dollars because he had played college sports at a point in his life so just to not keep them as equal, but just use their use their body because there's going to be another Ezekiel Elliott to come through Ohio State. There's going to be another star quarterback to come through A and M at some point, and so they're just using them, get their money, and throw them out. and And when they're thrown out, Johnny Manziel's where to be found, and Braxton Miller's a he's not making money NFL money, so he's not really playing at all. Yeah, so yeah, I just. It's, it's time to pay these star players. Yeah, basically they have these star players working the corners. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, basically what it is. Some of these guys have to work. Well, being a college athlete is a job in itself, and they have to work extra jobs just to support themselves. They're not on scholarship or anything like that. Um, just to wrap it up here, guys. <laughs> That's all the time we have, folks. Thank you for listening to Sports Zone.